You're listening to Movies for Decades. podcast we watch a movie from each decade starting in the 1920s ending in the 2020s this is season two season two starting in 1922 and ending in this year of recording 2022 we're in the year 2022 a a, a year of peace and prosperity <laughs> yeah welcome wow Dude. john you're the introman you've been doing the intro have I, like every kinda, time, you kind of took that over, and that's yeah, fine. I mean that's fine. You're good at it. I'm just impressed because you were like, I don't want to do it in the beginning last year. We've grown so much, y'all. We've grown so much. <laughs> so proud of my littlest brother. Yeah, here I am, <laughs> and we have a new recording setup, which maybe won't work. So if this sounds really bad, like our first episode of our first season, it's because our new recording setup didn't work. But if it sounds great, that's because our recording setup is much improved yeah which so, is the idea apologies in advance or you're welcome so um, what do we watch today guys we watch nosferatu the iconic horror film from director fw murnau a german film and uh all three in- of us took german and we're all gonna butcher all the german words and names we're, we're gonna yeah we're, <laughs> we, we we mostly took german for the comedy <laughs> and um yeah, yeah. This movie—it's an elite silent movie. I mean, if 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 you've only, if people have only seen like a couple silent movies, this is the one of the ones you watch, and for good reason because I mean, it's a cool movie. Yeah, it's spooky. It's spooky. It's basically like while we're watching it, you're like, oh, this is kind of like that movie later on, and I'm like, I think virtually every horror movie says hello to this movie yeah. in some way Wink, at least for nod, a while high five respect chin up whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah <laughs> yeah it's a yeah were there horror movies before this did you just <laughs> this is not even the first vampire movie this no. is just the first surviving vampire movie i okay. just read on my mental floss article two seconds ago okay <laughs> interesting so i mean what is the history of horror film preceding this do you know not i'm no ex i don't really know exactly other than it was like um other than it existed in fact i think this wasn't even the first attempt to make dracula yeah that's what um, I, yeah who's they'd made vampire movies before that this was influenced by some movie called the golem which i haven't yeah Der golem which i've seen yeah ah, that was kind it? of a horror movie Der golem is yeah i'm calling it Der golem Der or whatever golem. Der golem that's a cool movie um, I actually, and, uh, which was made, I guess, I think some of the same people who made the Golem made this movie. Um, or like they were outright copying the art direction a little bit, something along those lines. Like, uh, the Golem is more, uh, more in your face German expressionist ah. than Nosferatu is. Nosferatu is very expressionistic, but generally has some realistic set design you know yeah unlike say and of course the calling card german this is also kind of a famous german expressionist movie uh but i guess the german expressionist movie is the cabinet of dr caligari which Ah. is a spooky movie so that was kind of a thing in europe this like 
creepy movies were an aesthetic. It was an established yeah. moneymaker. People were going to the theaters to see this kind of thing. We've always loved horror as a species, ghost mm-hmm. stories um, and hauntings and all of that. So, yeah, I don't think I mean, because wasn't film Carson Goodman said this, I think that like they were trying to extend magic shows that's why film was kind of invented so like weird tricks and spooky doors opening by themselves you'd think that would have been from like the very beginning of film yeah and i mean that kind of expressionistic art was in vogue you know at the time just in general where are we in relation to world war one right now so world war one ended in 1918 okay so so this is 1922 so pretty recent yeah um and so germany's not in great shape but i mean so this is but i guess germany economically has recovered a little bit we're not in like late 20s great depression weimar germany yet and Mm -hmm. so point being that like the German film industry was rocking in the twenties. Mm. You know, they they were they were uh, it was fertile ground, filmmaking and and F. W. Murnau, one of the directors, was was one of the stars of um, of the German film scene. And um, I'm no expert on the German film scene, other than it was uh, other than it was maybe. Up there with the best in the, the world. The whole world, yeah. Okay. So, also, this is a spoiler <laughs> podcast. Just want to throw oh, that yeah. out there. We're not going to dance around any aspect of the plot. If you haven't seen this and you don't want it ruined, I guess turn it off. Um, because, yeah, we are going to dive right in through this whole season, through all of our stuff. We don't try to hide yeah. anything. Good reminder. Just I, I want to just throw that out there because some people are like, you ruined the ending in the beginning of your show. <laughs> I want to know, I've never actually seen a proper Dracula movie or read uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, what Colin, is, what is the, the difference between the Nosferatu story and the classic Dracula story? Like, wow, how how is the plot different? Is it the same structure of, like, real estate guy goes to Transylvania? <laughs> he uh, has a, a wife who, who has to seduce him, et cetera, et cetera? Or what is the deal? What is the difference? I know uh, the answer to this. Colin, the reader, has read Dracula. I read I this not. when I was a teenager, and it's a it's a weird book to read. Um, it's uh, t- at, you know when you're pretty young um, because it's a lot of it's a slog. It's a very it's a very 19th century style book in that um, I think a lot of books from this is not a literature pod, but like as I understand, a lot of literature relies on of that of the 1800s relies on first person very literal like s- person writing letters in yeah. their journal that's frankenstein what... kind of started out like yeah. that yeah yeah so like so that book is so like almost enslaved by that format mm. of um but anyway the answer is yes the um pretty much the first like half of the of this movie and and pretty and every other Dracula movie adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula anyway, the first half is usually pretty uh, loyal to the actual book, and the reason why, and then it deviates a little bit, and the reason why it's loyal to that first half of the book is because that first half or that first third of the book rules, 
and then the rest of the book is like meanders and isn't like is kind of boring hmm. um so but yeah the initial going to the guy's house being gradually more and more hmm. creeped out yeah discovering more and more weird eccentric things this guy does until he's finally believing this is maybe a real monster that's kind yeah. of the progression of the story right yeah the first the first part of the book is really really good and in some ways i feel like i haven't seen how good the book is portrayed in a movie yet. Yeah, and you haven't Be- seen the one with uh, Oldman. And Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That, you know, maybe maybe it's there. But, mm-hmm. like, because the beginning of the book is, that's like... That's Scorsese or someone It's famous. Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one of, of his, the famous. One of his... The famos. Yeah. <laughs> one of his uh, post-Godfather, like, big swings that I think was considered a miss. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of a tacky movie, but I, I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah. So... Um, yes, the, the plot is pretty much that though. He's, this is a like British, he's, he, the book is of course set in England. Yeah. Is in, is, is he's a London like real estate guy who's going to this count who lives out in Transylvania and he meets him and he's going to sell him a house. I don't remember whether it was next door. I think that was <laughs> yeah. maybe a Nosferatu, uh, ism. Well, that's cinematically convenient. So yes. he can spookily sh- stare out his window at the lady you know yeah. <laughs> it's also maybe more like like uh more in your face nightmarish which is the thing this movie is about absolutely yeah and um yeah in the yeah, in the book yeah it's i think the guy's name is harker not hooter okay. the book is really cool because the book really slow builds that nicely i don't think there's ever like i don't recall any scene that this movie kind of introduces this whole like concept of um the guy who goes into the inn, you know, he's traveling, he's in this quaint inn in the village, and he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go see uh, Count Orlock, Count Dracula, and everyone goes, what? Yeah. And we covered, like, a similar <laughs> scene in now? this podcast already, yeah. the of American Werewolf in London, which is a nod to that trope. Yeah. And this is a saloon-stopping moment. Yeah. 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 Honky-tonk piano stops. Or like, you're going where? Everyone stops and turns and looks. Yeah. A glass smashes somewhere. I don't recall that being a scene in the book. I maybe just don't recall it. But that's such a good scene in cinema. It's such a cinematic scene. And then, of course, I don't know if you... And here it was in 1922. He goes into a bar. And And so, I don't know if y'all have... Either of y'all have seen the Bella Lugosi. Go see Dracula. Yeah. When I was a kid, I barely remember it. It's pretty boring, honestly. (laughs) Well, it's actually, it's similar to the book in that the first, the best part is the first half of the movie or first third of it. And then the rest kind of is meandering. Um, So we get, uh, yeah. And and that, that scene is basically recreated in the Bela Lugosi movie Mm. where, where the guy shows up and he's just like, well, I'm going to see Dracula. And except this time you get actual like, you know, you get it's in the sound, and yeah. people are like, "What?" Yeah. Of course, it's also a 1931 sound movie, so it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so this movie, yeah, it's it's the the book is really cool how it slow builds with the with like because he meets Dracula and he's like, "This guy's just cool. He doesn't look weird, mm. really. He does. He's not. Well, he doesn't look super weird. He maybe just looks old." Right and um and pale or and something. yeah he just mostly just looks like an old man right. and I think maybe in the book it does more of a like he gets younger yeah he looks younger the more bloody drinks and yeah stuff. and so oh, this he's okay. just kind of a charming eccentric old man and then it's like 
and then he slowly starts to kind of like kind of feel sicker and woozier and, and like things get weirder and like he starts to suspect and then he's like reading about like and then in he in like dracula matter of fact he says like oh you know i'm hundreds of years old and he's like this guy's what and You're then he's pulling my leg buddy <laughs> and then he starts to kind of read up and go like i think this guy might actually be hundreds of years old and maybe a vampire <laughs> and uh so thing is i i think he kind of like escapes in a similar like not thrilling way in that like dracula takes off on a ship or whatever and somehow harker stumbles around and gets home and then, like, I don't remember him being that big a part of the book. And this is where the book is weird because it's so enslaved to its format of, like, this is Harker's journal. Mm. And these are his journal entries. Right. And then he gets – and then, like, he's out of the book kind of. Like, the rest are, are letters uh, of um, between other characters about what's going on. And Harker, I don't really know even – I think eventually he comes back, but he's basically sick and, like, not well the rest of the – book he's got tuberculosis he's got yeah that's what vampires actually are is tuberculosis really that i think i got that originally from the lore podcast okay but i've heard at other places too that so it's... Uh, yeah i want to dig in a little bit to like what and why are vampires because um there's one thing there's, there's several aspects of vampires and uh one thing that's just true and ancient to the world is the creepy man. There yeah. will always be a, some creepy man. But a, a big piece of Nosferatu and Dracula is his sort of wealth. His sort of... Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy in some manner somewhere. And and uh, and then there's also the plague element, like you were just referencing, yeah. with like tuberculosis or something. So why is that... I mean, maybe there's not an answer. I'm asking too big a question. But why that cocktail? Why creepy dude, rich man... Plague. Well, like, what are Vlad they referencing? The, there's Vlad the Impaler. Okay. He's kind of like this book. Va- the the book vaguely makes Dracula like takes elements of Vlad the Impaler, who is I guess a known about historical figure from the. Well, Romania no, he was like area. an actual like Romanian general who has all kind of like who's like a king. Yeah. Okay. He was and an eccentric like, old man who killed a lot of people like for reals. For reals yeah. was a yeah. In the book, he's like yeah, during my campaign against the Turks, blah blah blah, and he's just like that campaign was hundreds of years yeah. ago, huh? But yeah. it, but like that's kind of the main reference, and and like I think one of the names for Vlad the Impaler was like Dracula like one of the okay and yeah. um but anyway but mostly it's it's mostly i think that cocktail is very much a european mythologizing you okay. know the the um the old money uh yeah. uh <laughs> not old money but you know l- uh w- what's what's the what's the word i'm looking for old uh, castle old you know guy in a castle he's a yeah. count he's a he's he's nobility nobility yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm so american i don't know what nobility is yeah. <laughs> no but like the 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 nobility who kind of like no longer really has uh much of an estate or people under him anymore he's just a weirdo in a castle and doesn't actually have money anymore i think yeah. that's very much a uh-huh. old european idea Huh. And like he just has his title and is and no heirs or whatever. That's maybe and is just a creepy old weirdo. Yeah. yeah. And that's mixed with then the mythology of the vampire, which I think in the lore podcast, which maybe I'm going to butcher this, but the information that I remember is that there was a news story from colonial America where a whole family of siblings and their mother all died and like just the dad and one kid lived 
and they were saying that one of that the mother or one of the sisters was coming back to life from the grave and sucking all the other one's blood. Wow. And they dug her up and her heart was still intact for some reason and they burned it and they stuffed it with garlic and they did all this crazy stuff and this was like during a time when there were newspapers and the story somehow got to England and Bram Stoker read it. And he erased the fact that it was a woman. That's very interesting to me. (laughs) Yeah, and also that it was in America. Yeah. Um, And he, I guess, overlaid it onto this Vlad the Impaler weird old nobility thing. And like, it's more interesting, I guess, if a monster is a lustful man than a because colonial girl in, again yeah. it's very true to world to the world yeah. yes like <laughs> but so, yeah they they i think there is like a link between that news story of these these weird country people and then colonial massachusetts that had this town where it was a tuberculosis outbreak right but at the time they didn't understand what was going on and they were like why is every member of this family slowly wasting away yeah and then they did all this craziness about digging up each member and looking at their bodies. And this one didn't decay as much. So she's been coming back to life and eating everyone else. Science. <laughs> yes. Thing is, there's no real origin story for vampires. Yeah, it's true. And like, or, I kind of think, I think, you know, it was just, it was just, it was many different things in different regions of Europe. And it's one of those examples of how like us modern people with all our like pop culture and how folklore got absorbed into pop culture. It's just hard for us to wrap our brains around what what people thought about what vampires were yeah. pre-Bram Stoker. Because Bram Stoker kind of like brought it mainstream with the book. And then... And then, of course, once it, once you get Nosferatu and Bela Lugosi, yeah, I mean, then we're and now now we're off and running, and we got you know all the rules that we're all familiar with from you know Buffy slaying vampires, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sure. So here it's yeah. hard to it's hard to kind of unpack it. You it know? seemed like there was a cultural understanding long before that we I guess is maybe just lost to us uh, that a vampire is a thing. Well, I don't know, lost know? to us, but it's just hard for us modern people to wrap yeah, our brains I mean, around it. Right. People I feel have like. always been trying to explain sickness and disease. And back before we knew what germs were, maybe it was a person that comes at night and sucks your blood. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think there was some sort of plague going around in somewhere in Central Europe where people were like like sensitive to sunlight or seemed yeah. sensitive to sunlight and or at least people keyed in on that oh huh. and i've heard that nosferatu was the first vampire story that established that vampires can't go out in the daytime because apparently dracula in the book was just cruising around in the day yeah, like, it, like he, he, he preferred fun. to operate at night but it, the sun he was, didn't hurt him yeah well like, nosferatu i think nosferatu created yeah. that I think. you were you poof you're dead yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah so um yeah so this movie nosferatu it rules it kind of does (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's and it it's so impressive it's just spooky and atmospheric in a in a way that is not that the antiquated nature of it doesn't take away from it you know it 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 adds to it maybe Mm. but really it's just it's just plain old good like the shot design is good the the atmosphere is is great it is not limited at all by when it was made you know you don't have to sort of suspend your disbelief that much at least i didn't yeah um yeah i mean there's a couple things that maybe take me out of it mostly just the stop motion and fast motion stuff is like is like mostly it just makes me think like how is this receipt how did this look at the time because right now i'm like okay i get what they're doing and i can it looks a little silly but like i kind of get it but i'm like so did it not look silly at all at the time? Because the other thing is that whole stop motion, way, you know, kind of 
clunky stop motion of action and, and also the fast motion stuff didn't really continue even in the silent era really they kind of like mm, we can they figured out a more sophisticated way of doing certain special effects even right. just later in the decade right. so, so it's unique to this movie a or bit. this in a few movies probably yeah right. well definitely like i think it is totally true that late 20s movies uh, look much more sophisticated than like early 20s movies mm. yeah. oh and we need to like we did with the kid address that there are multiple versions of this movie out yeah. there and we did just watch a very long version yeah and you know it was I was stored and it was great because like I mean I, I remember looking at like Wikipedia today even just you know we do deep research you know brush up on the Wikipedia page but <laughs> <Mental> like <plus. laughs> and like you know the length of the movie somewhere between 68 and 95 minutes depending on what you watch and so i kind of and i'm pretty sure most versions of this i've watched and i've seen this maybe three times before today um were like under 80 minutes or certainly under 90 minutes i feel like the only time i've seen it was like flipping channels stopped at amc or turner classic mm -hmm. movies and it was like some 70 minute super cut of all just the creepy shadows and the vampire and the pointy teeth and then it was over so like, there was so I basically feel like I saw it for the first time just now compared to that. Yeah, it was very different from my first experience watching it too because yeah, it was maybe it was less than an hour what I yeah. saw. Yeah. And um and a lot of these scenes really dragged and stuff. They really uh stayed with certain characters that I don't even remember from my first viewing. Mm. I actually, you know, I didn't think I actually think the 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 longer the length actually helps the movie more than it hurts for sure though. Yeah. How so? Well, I don't know. I was prepared for like, is this just going to be kind of a slower version? But I definitely think scenes that are the, the, the Hallmark spooky scenes really seem to build more than I... Than, there was a certain sort of dreamy disjointedness of every other version I've seen of this that isn't really in this version we saw today. Like, this movie actually, I think... Act, it, this movie seems like it's well-paced, Hmm. Nearly every time I've seen this movie, that is not a thing I would claim about Nosferatu. Yeah. yeah. There it's, were yeah. some moments where I was like, okay, the impatient people who mm. can't put their phone down are definitely on Twitter at this part because they're holding <laughs> on these trees and this man with a horse for a really oh, long yeah. time. Yeah. And then and so also there the... Was, like, if you don't have patience for slowness, maybe you will think this movie's deadly dull. But if you think it's cool to watch a man hauntingly stagger through the forest, then it's cool. <laughs> it just depends. Depends on your personality. Yeah, the, the scene that like was totally deleted until today was the croquet scene and the uh, <laughs> yeah. and the, the, and the man... mailman digging and dumping the woods or whatever. Yeah, that what really seemed like what he was doing. <laughs> I don't know. He, he just was... emerged awkwardly, like, "Okay, I'm done." And I'm like, "What are you doing in the woods, that, there, buddy?" That scene needs to be taken apart because it makes so little sense and has nothing to do with the rest this of the movie. This is the scene run back. Yeah, this is the scene we're gonna just yeah, dig like, deep we've, in we've, right we've now. We've taken such broad strokes until now, but we're like, "Hold on a second. because it starts on with the uh, main female lead what is her name uh, ellen ellen, ellen. but it looks like eileen because the font the is font really is hard to so read ellen is by the beach with the crucifixes it's really windy totally it's really normal windy. is crucifixes at the beach I and mean, every beach just, has those we yeah. hard cut it's germany <laughs> yeah europe uh we hard cut to um croquet croquet happening and i'm a little We've barely spent any time with these characters who uh, I think are like aunt and uncle, aunt and uncle friends of the family or something, and we're just like, 
why are we doing croquet all of a sudden? Is this just <laughs> a, no a requirement for 20s movies? It's like, well, you have got to have a little croquet for the kids, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. World's most popular sport at the time. Sure. <laughs> but aside, yeah, so... And there's a Jen- man in the bushes crouching... For some reason, then he's kind of awkwardly buttoning up his coat. Yeah, like, and he like, stands anyway. up and he like wipes his hands really like, obviously. It really looked like he was pooping in the bushes. Like and the, cro- the people to- stop their croquet, walk over to the man pooping in the bushes. And then he's and like, he- oh, by the way, I got a letter. <laughs> I didn't use them- the letter. A letter. It was the most mystifying scene in yeah. the movie. <laughs> but here's the thing is, that scene aside, I think the the added, the, the fact that there was more in this movie, I think was mostly helpful. Like from what I remember, the beat, like the first act in particular, uh, and of course it's actually split into five acts, which I feel like is not in any other version I've seen, and I think is actually works. Yeah, and, and I, oh, think- I think it was a Letterbox review I read recently. Gosh, I need to be able to credit these, but where it was just like how to make a long movie seem tolerable: give it chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, someone got tossed in shade at uh, Tower of the Dog. <laughs> Maybe a little salty. Bit. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah, like, for one thing, the first part of the movie seems like it's, like, the, the Renfield guy, the, the, the boss man who's like, eh, also go, really could have been cut from the whole movie, except that that actor seemed like he was having yeah. such a good time. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's got a, he, Count Orlock's man inside, you know. Yeah. He's like, he's like, eh, you will go to the land of phantoms and thieves. He's like, I'm stoked. But I feel like that plays out, a, like, I, I feel like I remember him going like, yes, and then it cuts to him saying a quick goodbye, and then he's gone. This movie builds it a little bit. I think this movie actually does, at least makes more effort than other versions I've seen of, like, having the two characters have a relationship. You know, Hutter and Ellen actually yeah, have, they like... they actually seem like a couple. They actually, like, yeah. seem to have a, a, a relationship instead of, like, oh, yeah, and then he's got a lady, you know, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of other version. like each other, you know? Mm-hmm. She's a crazy... They had a downright spiritual connection. She was, like, feeling when he was having his blood drained. She was yeah. waking yeah. up in the night and staggering around. So I think those scenes work better with a little bit longer first act. So I think yeah. that, was, that was an example of something that's helpful. Um... I don't feel like any. I don't think there's anything new I saw today with Count Orlock. I think those scenes really made sure to get like preserved. Every supercut you know? has Orlock all the way. I don't yeah. really remember the. Maybe the only exception is I don't really remember. Um, well, I think I remember. Let I think I've seen a version that has less stuff on the boat. Mm, but that was yeah. so cool. Yeah, the boat sequence was great, and that's something that I really did not remember from my first watching. That was completely erased. <laughs> but like, I guess I remember him rising out of the coffin. Yeah, that's in every version. That's yeah. in every version. But I didn't remember that it was on a boat that that happened. You know, yeah. yeah. That 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 whole sequence really really worked with yeah. the slow pacing. And it seemed like they fixed what you were saying about the drag at the second half of the Dracula story because in this you're kind of invested in like mm-hmm. okay our little main character got away but now Nosferatu's rampaging around the countryside we're getting dispatches that there's a plague in this town in this town and this port's shut down and he's we're seeing his progress progress on the boat and the rats coming out of the coffins and it's all like very dynamic and interesting and um see like I literally don't remember what Dracula does after he gets to London and yeah. I read the damn book <laughs> and I don't really remember what the hell Bella Lugosi does 
in the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Yeah. Other than like, other than Van Helsing kind of is like, vampires are right, I think. (laughs) And maybe I think the Dracula is Dracula. And, um, and, expert, uh, expert opinion. And then, and then like, um, and then they they kill him and like I know I know that there's some letters of like like he he, he bites another guy's wife in in the book and she writes about it in turgid language, um, and that's really all I remember. And then of course in the Todd Brown in the in the um in the Bela Lugosi Dracula like there's famously like they have like they have Van Helsing like opening the coffin and he's got a steak and the camera literally pans away and you hear clunk. And then Van Helsing walks back and he's like, it's done. End of movie. Yeah. Which is like such a, like a, like, Oh yeah, they couldn't show blood and gore. So they literally just pan away. Bela Lugosi was a code movie, Mm. right? I mean, technically not 1931. They should have shown it then. But I don't, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, It's definitely like a famous, like, even people who love who defend that movie, and there's of course one very good reason to defend the Bela Lugosi Dracula, and that's Bela Lugosi. Yeah. Yeah. Also Renfield. Yeah. So um, the other thing is, I don't remember any kind of, I don't really remember any kind of Renfield or whoever the knock is yeah, the guy. Yeah, I don't remember um, that being a character in the book. I don't know. It's... What is the um... What is the horniness level of the original Dracula in the book? Was he was he always horny, or was or does I don't that know if he's something... horny so much as he's suave. Okay, because he's like he's, he's just creepy. like women like him. Nosferatu yeah, no. is just creepy horny, way yeah. creepy, <laughs> and it's not it's not like he, there's no gracefulness to like, him. He's just like. I like that picture of your girlfriend, dude. She's got a great neck. She's got a. You great can just neck. hear yeah, him yeah. mouth breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Count Orlock in this movie is just way just like. For one thing, it's weird how in like it's the the scenes where he's talking and interacting and having like dialogue are weird because it's like for one thing, I think he has a because because then like the rest of the movie after he leaves the castle, he doesn't talk at all. He's just posing. Yeah. You know. Voguing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> vamping if you will. Vamp and vogue up out of the coffin. <laughs> yeah, get so, those, those fingers spread wide. So mostly he's just a creature. Yeah. it's almost weird that he in in he, in those early scenes he's still mostly just a creature, and it's almost like it's almost like they don't the movie doesn't play up enough. And of course the the honestly weird acting of the like um like like the fact that he shows up and he's like whoa you're. Are you okay? Yeah. You do not look do you well. Need medical attention. Do you yeah. need medical attention. These <laughs> 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 uh. were called back. Um, yeah, and then, but yeah, the Bella Lugosi suave thing uh, was much was more loyal to the book. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and like, there's there's a sexualness to all vampire stories. Yes, that's a big. That's baked into the cake. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. this does is he... kind of the least sexual. He's the most creepy, monstrous version, I feel so like. So does he yeah. die in the same kind of... Well, you just talked about how he died in the Bella Lugosi one. Yeah, then Helsing mm-hmm. often. But uh, does he... I mean, it, I think it's amazing, the uh, the climax. The, that is that unique to this movie where he's seduced into his death? Is that... Is that a Nosferatu original? I don't. I remember being let out, as you said, um, past his bedtime. Yeah, only a hot girl can keep you out past your bedtime. (laughs) So, (laughs) and that's the only way to defeat him, according to the mythology of this movie. And this movie did establish the going out in the sunlight. Yeah, Yeah. this movie did that. Uh, I think 
every version has some like the main female lead as the person who has to seduce Dracula in some way mm-hmm. and helps defeat him. Okay. I think that is in the Dracula. I again, the details of it, it like I said, like I remember the the reading of and the details of the first part of the book pretty well because they're memorable and interesting, but I'm so hazy on how the rest of it goes. And then like and then, like uh, in the nineteenth, in the Bela Lugosi Dracula, it's like it's it's some blonde lady who's kind of wispy and um, and or or not even wispy. She's just kind of like, oh, you know, like I guess this. What do you think of the Dracula? You know? I mean, and then... in the version with uh, um, Oldman. The girl is straight up horny for it. Like she is thirsty for Dracula. Like she Who's got the thirst? Yeah, she's like she's like slutty. Like that's the thing about I like I guess there are two female characters, one who's kind of chaste and one who's thirsty for Dracula and yeah, yeah, I know. I feel like I remember there's sort of two women who he's seducing in the um, yeah. book, who are of course writing turgid letters about how weird it is or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I do need to see the brand, the the Gary Oldman one because I think that is considered to be the most loyal to the book, which yeah. is why it's called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and then I guess one thing to address about Nosferatu because it is part of the legacy is the fact that uh, they didn't really get permission. Yes, that the, the the directors of Nosferatu, the filmmakers of Nosferatu, they didn't get permission from the Bram Stoker estate. Yeah. yeah. So Bram Stoker's wife wanted every copy of this movie destroyed, which is wild. Yeah. Like that—that that would never happen in any other circumstances except early 1920s. <laughs> like, like, hold, hold on. It's one thing if you want some of that money. Well, but they but did like... sue them, and the publicity for this movie was so expensive, <laughs> and this movie was so expensive that it bankrupted the um, production company. I think I read. Yeah. And so they didn't have the money to pay her. I mean, it's wild that huh. they actually like. That was the judgment of the court. <laughs> destroy every copy of this sick Wait, movie. That was the judgment of the court. Is that to destroy? Or was that just copies? her? Or was that just their personal I imagine campaign? The, a court of if if there was a lawsuit and this was a decision, I'm sure a court of law was involved. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. like that that is wild that that is would ever have happened. Is like a lawsuit, copyright infringement, and the end result is destroy every copy yeah and so what we have is like bootlegged versions of this movie basically yeah i mean i'm sure there's why there are so many different versions and like apparently that just blows my mind that that even happened at all like i i i I mean i understand like no you can't release it anywhere else but like so that there was that actually happened on mass people found copies of this and like burned them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. crazy but anyway so that's partly why it's so fragmented that also just happens to movies that are this old. Yeah. Like, I think by the mid-1920s, when by that point you have Hollywood moving and movies are a bigger deal, I think it becomes more rare for movies to become lost. But this movie had real danger of being lost. Yeah. Like, and there are other Dracula, there are earlier depictions of Dracula that are completely lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the fact that they were like, also going back to the golem, is that like that was like a franchise? Mm. Is like it and like the one that survives is like the prequel. Oh, huh. interesting. And, interesting. Uh, it's like the third or fourth, and but the others do not survive. So the one that's kind of the origin story of the golem is kind of a 
um, is the one that survives. So, hmm. yeah. Um, so while we're talking about the production of this movie, let's talk about a one Shrekman. Yeah. What was his first name? Max, Max Shrek. Shrek, which is an iconic name. Yes. And of course, um, and of course, Shrek in German translates to jolly green ogre no <laughs> it actually apparently literally translates to um horror yeah really? so it's kind of not his real name okay yeah <laughs> but he was a mysterious character in the wonderful movie the shadow of the vampire posits that he was actually a vampire yeah <laughs> what do we what do we know about him uh max shrek apparently he was an actor and this isn't his only role technically and he's but he was apparently a weird goth boy even then <laughs> like he was known for taking long walks in the woods at night and being hard to pin down and generally antisocial and unfriendly and he very was very born method. to be dracula yeah he was very very like nobody really know but he was in tons of movies like he has a big filmography but nobody really knew him and yeah he was I, it just stuck out to me so hard he liked to take long walks in the woods <laughs> i'm just like i love this guy <laughs> <laughs> and like being like being kind of like a weird goth boy was like uh you know th this was like 1920s art art scene in Weimar Berlin was yeah. the, was was the first place you could really be a weird goth boy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and uh, the the art scene was cool in the in the, in Berlin in the, in this era. And of course, like uh, the director of this movie, F. W. Murnau, was uh, was gay. Cool. And I think was kind of openly gay. There was a you know? section of Berlin that was fully openly. There was like a district. Like, yeah. Like, I don't like know if he was 100%, and... but yeah, like he was, he was, I, as I understand it, fairly accepted in the Berlin art scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This huh. was a golden age for that, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Berlin kind of ruled in, in the 1920s. Yeah, Berlin was a cool, cool city once. And, and they I mean, made cool is, movies. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I wonder what happened. So <laughs> then, um, but yeah, Interview with the Vampire uh, is... Not interview with the fucking vampire. Oh, uh, 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 Shadow, Shadow of the, of the vampire. vampire is a hilarious film starring Willem Dafoe it's playing so Shrek, and he's so gross and so weird, and he has those little pointy buck teeth, and he's just constantly trying to eat everyone on the crew, and they're like having to accommodate him, and he's like actually sleeping in the room that's his room in the movie, and and John just... Malkovich plays F. W. Murnau, <laughs> and he is swimming. In the river of ham. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. And it is, it's a great movie and everyone should watch it. Wow, and I I've got to see this. <laughs> so, you know, I've seen that movie like twice because like, so um, the film history classes I would take in college with uh, taught by one June Mack um, at UAB, you know, big influence on me. She, uh, she had us watch Nosferatu and then she followed it up with... Uh, shadow of the vampire where because you know it's a movie that portrays the silent filmmaking process fairly truthfully hmm. and so it's cool to see like about i like a fake but kind of semi-realistic making of nosferatu yeah because you know, they really do a good job of kind of recreating the sets and of of the movie and um 
Yeah, they recreate the shadow, making yeah. the shadow. And that yeah. was, is yeah, it's a cool movie just in terms of filmmaking, aside from the funny. Also which was... also, it is the driest movie. Like, I'm talking like it's hilarious, but if you watch it, you'll probably be like, that was boring. I didn't laugh out loud or once. It's... But like my personal <laughs> taste, like I lolicosted all the way through that movie. That movie like... really tried, like, I think it's sort of making a sincere attempt to be a horror film. Like, yeah. what if Max Shrek was, was really a, a vampire? vampire? But like, you know, I'm Obviously, Willem Dafoe is hamming it yes, up, he's and so John Malkovich is, is hamming it up, hamming it, and like, um, <laughs> but uh, and it's it's also funny because June was, you know, June was hilarious. She was adorable because she was like, like, uh, now this movie does get very violent so it's okay if when we're watching this in class you have to look away at the end the end of this movie in like and we get the shadow of the vampire and i'm like the like it's kind of violent in the end spoiler alert (laughs) but it's like um but i'm like that was and i'm like okay june (laughs) um anyway people who maybe will hear this and know june mac no Um, (laughs) anyway uh yeah. So then there's, um, that's a fun movie to watch if you kind of want to know more about this movie and speculate on that. It also portrays the uh, Berlin uh, art scene, you know, with some vividness. Yeah, um, it's a good historical film, too. It's a good movie. It does, it's fun not movie. made until two, the year 2000, so we are never going to watch it for this no, pod. That's no. like the longest <laughs> away a movie can be, so we yeah, can talk about, about it all we want. Yeah. Another <laughs> long, another thing that's long away is the Werner Herzog remake of this movie, which I think comes out in 1970. Which I have not seen. Which I love. Yeah. Great movie. Um, and they really did a great job... Um, imitating this original and you were saying that uh werner herzog went out of his way to uh get a lot of the same locations and um of course here's the thing about werner herzog is he doesn't do anything if he's not going slightly out of his way yeah <laughs> or very out of his way to yeah. do x and you know this longer cut of the movie i was definitely struck by how how similar it was just in tone and everything to werner yeah. herzog's because I remember thinking that's when never I, hit me before because I yeah, saw the ori- yes. I saw the original first. I saw this movie that we watched today first, and then I watched Werner Herzog's, and I remember thinking like, "Wow, Werner Herzog really took that and ran with it." And now watching this long cut, I'm like, "No, Werner Herzog was really, really pretty tightly to the book, and um, the vibe is very similar." Um, the ending is kind of cooler. The ending is where, where cooler. it's got it's got more of a it's got a denouement of a uh, of um, Hooder of, of of Hooder being like. Oh, he's a vampire now. He's a vampire oh, now. Oh, snap. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool little add-on. Yeah. yeah, I was a little bit like... I was wanting Ellen to be a vampire at the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah, and she just dies, yeah, which she is She just gets fridged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the fact that she dies is definitely sadder with more with this longer version that breathes a little bit more. Yeah. Even though you she's not that much of a... attached to her She's not would. that much of a character, but no yeah, one really I mean, is. But... The AMC version I saw of this, she just seemed like a damsel with no yeah. personality. And in this, she seemed like, I believe that she really cared about Hooter. I believe that she really was kind of having these astral projection-y visions. I yeah, she managed like... to scare the vampire out of the bedroom with um with her husband with, with her husband uh, out when he was out in Transylvania. Like yeah. he, he he was so useless. He would get scared, and then I guess he just fainted in his yeah. bed, awaiting yeah. 
for Nosferatu to come bite him. Just, yeah. <laughs> he was the real damsel. Yeah, he was such a damsel. He, all he did was go somewhere and get sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that and happened she to she sacrificed herself. She read the part of the book that said that's what she had to do. Yeah, she actually read the manual uh-huh. <laughs> and figured out how to deal with, how to troubleshoot the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, 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 and she was the first Slayer. Yeah, she's yeah. the first Slayer. <laughs> first she's slayer. the first OG Slayer. slayer. Yeah. OG Slayer. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. So the thing about vampire stories is I don't actually like them very much. Really? Okay. I'm not really a vampire fan. Mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of... You just of, don't like Twilight. I just don't. But no, it was before Twilight. Like okay. when everyone was like raving about Twilight, I was like, vampires, boring. Like just these kind of like s- sullen, creepy, sad men brooding and being pale and can only go out at night. Like werewolves are so much cooler yeah. in every way. And like, and I think also it was the Bela Lugosi movie during the Monster Fest days when we would watch all the old monster movies that came on TV in the Halloween. Sci-Fi Channel. Sci-Fi yeah. Channel Monster Fest. We are of the generation where that was big for us. And I remember of all those classic original horror movies, I thought Dracula was boring and it well, was the least good one. It's not that good. Yeah, yeah. I liked Frankenstein. I liked the Wolfman, I liked the Invisible Man. I liked those other ones so much better that I was like, "Creature from the Black Lagoon." Yeah, Creature from the Yeah, so cool. Anyway, so yeah, so I was like, Dracula's the most boring, lame of all the classic monsters, and he's just pale and creepy. And Wolfman turns into a wolf, and that's awesome. And Invisible Man is invisible, and so like crazy. But and and Claude Rains. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I just have never been that big of a Dracula person, and my favorite version of all is love at first bite which yeah. talk about an obscure movie yeah. <laughs> we have a very tan dr- yeah we're the, vampire I, I can't remember his name but the vampire is it dracula yeah it's dracula. it's dracula and he is a famously tan man who, george hamilton they, right? yeah, is they, that his name i think so yeah they try to make him pale but they can't no i don't think they even bother strong. i think they just like nah he's just he can't go out at night but you know he's yeah tan. and he's, it's a rom-com where he's actually in love with this model on from a magazine and it's the best portrayal of Renfield. They really lean into how he only eats bugs for some reason, which is very entertaining. He does eat, but Knock or whatever does eat bugs in this movie. Yeah. So he? you know, here's one thing that's interesting that the uh, that the Bella Lugosi bite, version does is they have Renfield. For one thing, there's not really anything. There's no beginning of the bella lugosi version it's just he's just it's just renfield gets out of the carriage into the into the village hotel moat and um and says i'm here to see dracula and they're like "Uh uh-oh and then (laughs) and then he's the one who goes crazy and and like so they have the main character kind of be renfield and he's just crazy the rest of the movie eating bugs and and yeah what a fun character to play if you get a good actor on renfield then mm -hmm. it is a spectacle to watch um, so that is kind of an improvement the bella lugosi's does in streamlining is that like no like there's no like there's no like a uh, protagonist who gets sick and is basically useless the rest of the movie <laughs> you know they have him just be renfield and yeah. no he just goes crazy he becomes the his henchman the yeah he becomes his henchman the guy who you get invested with as the main person is like no he's just crazy the rest of the movie yeah. and his henchman that's good yeah. there's not really any like van helsing's the only other kind of like male protagonist in like i think a lot of other versions Mm -hmm. and uh yeah as what you were saying to uh 
vampires not really being your thing. I would agree. I think I really only like the Nosferatu movies. I really <laughs> like um, this and the Werner Herzog. Those that's the only vampire movies I've ever really connected to. And he's more there's, monstrous. In there's those. something, and there's something also kind of sad about him. It's not that he's just a, a creature, but he seems like depressed Nosferatu <laughs> he doesn't and especially in the Werner Herzog one but it, it communicates in here too that he just he kind of longs for this woman more than he's just horny for it you know he, <laughs> yeah. he really does seem to like yeah he, he has this longing in him that I feel like is missing from a lot of vampire stories that I think is really great and Klaus Kinski is of course you know that crazy motherfucker yeah is is brilliant in that role in yeah. that he's like he's kind of like sort of still a person in there he's like i'm this you know like and you get the like he i've been this creature for forever but i'm still like a person in here and it's gross and i hate it Mm -hmm. you know like i'm a diseased you know they almost don't make him a vampire just as a terrifyingly diseased immortal person Mm. and uh it's it's it's, like if you get an std that makes you immortal yeah, that's kinda. what vampirism is. I mean, I think that is almost like what the sort of it makes you gross what's and in the sick vampire and it changes store. your diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need a lot of iron in that diet. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're very anemic. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's what's in like uh, all in baked into the cake of all these like especially the fact that it came out of the victorian era is that it's like it's sort of a metaphor for sexual disease yeah you know that's definitely part of the i don't know about the old folklore but it's definitely in the like beginning of the popularity of it's like it's like sexual disease and sexual sin is yeah, kind of in being there. lustful, yeah. but also punishment like, for that because they love to punish that mess in the Victorian times. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what caught on there, but also just the fact and the fact that it's just like that most of the time Dracula is just playing gross, you yeah. know, and, and, and he's just know, a hound dog. It's yeah, gross. and and <laughs> and and he's he's taking over, you know, beautiful innocent women. You know, that's yeah. very much what these stories kind of are, which is you know. Yeah, a, and there's a whole like the True Blood or whatever that I didn't watch. There's that whole side of the sexy vampires that I'm just not into. I like them when they're gross, sad creatures, like John was saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't like them when they're yeah. sparkly and hot. It's boring. It's not interesting. <laughs> Interesting to me. I don't want muscled vampires. <laughs> I want rat face vampires. I want rat face, sick, sad, weird vampires. I want sad goth boys that are just very diseased. Yeah, they really. Victorian TB victim. They vampires. need to have a glass of orange juice or something. You know. So, they... so another word on this is so this movie here we are like still dealing with the plague and like here's a plaguey movie and like sure yeah. enough this movie is very much informed by the fact that the. The uh, influenza epi- pandemic oh, had I just happened. Didn't even Spanish make that connection. Flu, yeah. The Spanish, Spanish flu, flu. That's had why had just happened at the time they I made bet this that's movie. That's part of why this movie was so scary. Yeah, and they really like leaned harder on that plague aspect more than I was expecting. And yeah. I'll say, like, uh, I kind of always had known like that was part of what this movie's sort of doing with the imagery in that. And I'm like, huh, okay. But this time watching it, I'm like. 
Oh, yeah, that is in this movie. Big yeah, time. it was out making me genuinely uncomfortable with these Rona times where it's just like, and they say like, oh, warn everyone, do a public announcement that there's a disease mm. in the town and people are clutching, you know, handkerchiefs to their mouths and running. We must social distance. Yeah. Shutting, yeah. pulling the child back and shutting the window, you know, yeah, like that's like the... so Rona times. And then also <laughs> like there's that moment, which I think is there's more of a, I think this is a slightly longer take that's in this version that I didn't see elsewhere or else it just hit me a little bit more is there's that scene where Hutter is like sick in bed they found him after he's escaped the castle and mm-hmm. like and there's like a doctor he's like he's got a fever and he's kind of got this grimace like oh no you know yeah. like we yeah. got Not one. again we got one and yeah. it's like and that was kind of like a moment that hit a little harder so um yeah yeah weirdly triggering this movie from 100 years ago mm-hmm. topical yeah dang it <laughs> dang it we can't keep away from those plagues man. yeah even <laughs> with very modern human. medicine yeah so here's one of the thing I'm, i maybe want to try to hit on and um um work with me here now guys i'm doing i'm being sociological here uh, okay and don't, I'm down. don't don't be like like that little caesar episode where i'm like we're all like huh <laughs> okay hit us well i don't know I'm, I'm i'm searching for it i just think it's like it's wild here we are in the early 21st century and we have like no idea what and our whole culture is lives in the 20th century we are all and that's in some ways what we're doing with this podcast is really we're mostly exploring the 20th century yeah and like uh and and that that's our whole world right now really is we don't know what the hell a 21st century thing is we re we kind of know we kind of know it's probably about the internet yeah you know but other than that we don't really know and like, and I, so I think you're saying that's, they I, lived in the 19th century. Yeah, still. I kind of think like that's one thing is like a lot of these early like 20th century movies and like art. For one thing, it's the kind of the beginning of what we think of as pop culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, but um, I'm also just thinking like, yeah, here are these people making this art and they don't have any concept of they don't have much concept of what the 20th century is yet yeah yeah and this movie was set in the 19th century and like yeah and i think that's and here i am and and here's this movie that i think is set in the 1830s is when they set this movie and it's kind of like oh yeah that was like you know not less than 100 years ago less than 100 years ago was the 1830s when they make this movie yeah and like here's a movie that like i don't know i just i i was thinking about that and it didn't seem as quaint and antiquated these yeah here they were in a position to make a comment about a time that is completely unavailable to to our to our collective memory consciousness. but yeah. was much more so yes and, yeah. um yeah there's so. probably so many small references in something like this that just completely fly over our heads just because of yeah, one thing I read these is people were because it was like set in your grandma's time, kind of. Yeah, with yeah. this, yeah. And I think the uh, and we're, we're familiar with our grandma's time. Yeah, and of course we're 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 still all obsessed with the 1960s, which is going to become increasingly weird. Yeah, you know, for for younger people, like, why do we care about the 60s? And we'll be like, what do you mean? Why do we care about <laughs> the 60s? It was the 60s, dude. <laughs> the 60s, man. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. So I don't know. I just think that's an interesting thing to note on now that we're back to a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. And one final antiquated filmmaking thing that I want to call attention to that I knew nothing about until today was mm. the tinting. Yeah, tinting, which is a uh, basically coloring the scenes according to you know like that kind of dark 
greenish. It was color-coded based on what time of day it was. And whether they were indoors or outdoors. Or how spooky it was. How spooky it was. Yeah, uh, it was purple if it was dawn, mm -hmm. it was blue if it was night, and it was yellow if they were outside in the day. And there was a candle. Or if there was a candle And then there was like a gray, too, that was just kind of catch-all spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So like That was very interesting. I've never seen that before. And that was a thing they really like went hard on for a couple years ago. Like, oh yeah, this is how you do the... But that that went out of fashion pretty quick. Like, I think... Was it more European than American? I don't necessarily I think so. I remember seeing a Zorro years ago that had yeah, this. Yeah, it has tinting. And, and that was American. Yeah, yeah Hollywood okay, did a lot Zorro, of tinting. Yeah. I think the Thief of Baghdad from Hollywood in the 20s is, does lots of tinting. Huh. And so I think it just kind of fell out of fashion, partly because they start the camera and technology improved and they could actually like... Maybe not necessarily film at night, but kind of like film in darker settings, and and you didn't need to do exaggerated faking of nightfall as much. Yeah. Hmm. And and generally, they just they just learned more fully how to use um, the you know black and white form as yeah. to their advantage. My gosh, but I love that kind of lost to time cinematic language that was cool yeah. AF. also the the iris the the, the circular iris thing that, that did was very yeah, so much in this movie yeah, yeah. they use yeah. that a lot and that kind of that kind of fell out of favor also within a few years but so it was, this yeah. may, movie may have might have looked dated just 10 years later yeah, yeah. well yeah. definitely 10 years later because yeah, i mean there was sound there was sound but yeah. i mean everything was but dated. probably five years later yeah this movie like cinema like it's actually crazy how quickly cinema like moved early mm-hmm. on, like because because they were just by leaps and bounds and you know they were just starting to make movies and they <laughs> everyone was learning everything at the same time yeah, yeah. and there kind of got to be the point where like no we kind of figured out what the form of the of this medium is now. Mm-hmm. yeah cool yeah yeah but this is but your early twenties movies are not there yet which is fascinating to see as always. When we watch a really old movie, we're always watching it and commenting on all the things that we're impressed that they could do at that time. And I think we're just saying like, wow, look how modern this looks. And I was struck by how a lot of the shots didn't look that dated to me. They they really held up as like good form and a good shot and it i mean murnau take... was not a lightweight it yeah. didn't it you didn't know? take me out of the moment like sometimes with an older film you see everything is just far away and it's just a very static shot and i mean there's some of that lo- staginess not... you wouldn't see later yeah, but yeah. staginess but you I was, I was struck by just how intimate you would get into something and how the camera would move that shot of the uh the sailboat and we're we're approaching it and um and big empty sea. Big empty sea, and it just—I was just like, "Wow, I, this is incredible." Yeah. More shots I don't really remember much from the other versions I've seen. So, and of course, there's just—you know—what more needs to be said other than just shout out all the iconic imagery of Count Orlock and yeah. the shadow stuff yeah. and the, the almost... perfectly shaped doorway for his weird shaped head. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, him rising out of the coffin on the ship, his shadows at the very end. It's just—I I guess. We haven't said much because what else is there to say? Yeah. It lives of, in cinema language. You if know. you've heard of this movie, then you, you have seen those You can picture the images. long fingernails. You yeah. can picture the hunched back. The ears. You've yeah. got it all in your head. Yeah. And uh, and it is it is cool. It's it striking is cool. and it's spooky. <laughs> yeah. It works. Yeah, it works to this day. Yeah. 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 
Cool movie. Well, cool movie. so we didn't introduce ourselves at the beginning. Well, so my name is Helen did. Albee Cottingham. We did, we we did, did not. not. Yeah. Um, oh, good catch. I'm John Albee. And Do y'all not know it's Colin Albee by now? Come on. Now. I mean, yeah. people... Well, our I, voices are really similar. See, to me, I y'all sound completely know. different, but no. I'm sure to people listening, they struggle to differentiate. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're like, well, there's two people talking. It's just two people, right? <laughs> sometimes he speaks a little soft. I like the other one better. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm John Albee. I yeah. stand out because I'm a lady. Yeah, and you're Helen Cottingham. <laughs> and w- this is Movies for Decades. Yeah, and welcome. I said I did say movies for decades, and yes, I hope I did. explained it. Well. You did, you did. If you want to just be the captain of the intro, I do. You well, can. the thing is, is I'm you the guy right on it every I'm, time for I'm a while. I'm the guy who punches record. Yeah. So you know, and I hate all that. I I just feel awkward. Like, hey, I punch record. You guys want to go? I hate that. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> okay. I just want to go. I'm just who's gonna start? Who's gonna? Who wants to do it this time? Just, just do it. Just do it. I'm just gonna do it, everybody. This, and I think that's the most often the most talking I do. <laughs> but, um, so, anyway, so what are what are we gonna talk about? Are, are we, we gonna do what are you consuming? Are we, are we doing that segment still? I like that segment. I like the segment. Fine. I don't really have one. Uh, I guess the only thing I'll say. Well, I also have a new segment, which maybe I'll debut here. All which right. Is that Colin Albee? Is the one who's a who's a filmmaker as Collins, as, uh, yeah. And I, I I'll do a new segment which is, I'm being accountable. So like I'm updating on the progress of my short film that I'm directing. Yeah. I am writing. I have written a screenplay for a a a, a, a softball beer beer league softball rom com. Cool. And it is. I am designing the shots for it now. And we don't have a schedule for when we're making it, but that is that is the update, and there had better be another update the next every time. Yeah, every time I update. Re- so, John, you gotta update us on your music. Yeah, I have a record coming out. Um, oh, we gotta plug ourselves. Should be around May. Um, it's my band called AM Radio. I think the album is gonna be self-titled. It's gonna have a proper vinyl release. Cool. I'll tell you more about it. It's uh, it's something I finished recently. I'm always working on music. Who knows? I'll, I'll let you know later. Neat. Yeah, I don't have anything that I'm working on, but hopefully I'll start to help working on this podcast and make the website, which is down right now. Yeah, Sorry, I just don't y'all. have time to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. you're also raising a human I'm child. I'm also raising a human child. So that's something Not a vampire. On. Yeah. Um, a vampire. A vampire. I'm raising She's a vampire. <laughs> uh, her progress is going just fine. She... Uh, She's definitely a kid who is growing and is fast and loud. She built a big barricade out of soup cans and peanut butter jars today and was making me jump over it or rather pretend like I couldn't jump over it and like it was a real barrier that I was then trapped in the kitchen by. And that was what we did this morning because she got up at five. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's why I was sleeping. Bless when... your heart. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I was sleeping at 1130 when I realized it was time to come come here and record this so okay. oh but what am i consuming yeah, sure. it's oscar season oh yeah movies. and i'm so amped because i love the oscars 
<laughs> say all the criticism you want. Be as mad as you want that they're not televising live short documentary this year. They're still going to mm. tell us who won. It's, I know, I know, lots of problems. They're but not you know what? Best film editing and best production. I know it's, and best score. It's terrible. It is legitimately terrible. But I always have loved the Oscars since I was a teenager. And you know what? It gets me to watch films that are a big deal and are artistic and are made at the height of their craft, voted on by their peers, which makes it better than the other awards, according to me. (laughs) And yes, there's the Oscar so white problems. Yes, there is the they're all old boomers problems. But it's still like I never would have seen so many great films if I hadn't done this thing where I watch every nominated movie every year. I've always tried. I've always failed. But I try every year to watch every single thing. And that's what I've been doing this week and don't yuck her yum yeah uh, i think it's great that you know even when uh, that we have a big thing in our country that celebrates you know the art and commerce and and does it in a big ostentatious self-congratulatory way i think that's a great thing about the first world (laughs) (laughs) and that's true for all awards stuff that's true for the grammys you know i think it's cool i think it's i think it's a good healthy thing we do in yeah i mean to celebrate this stuff. would i have ever made an effort to watch moonlight if it hadn't been nominated no and i'm so glad i did would i ever have made an effort to watch power of the dog if it hadn't been nominated probably not and i'm so glad i did so that's the value of the oscars to me and i've been I, ren has gone to bed early enough this week where i have watched several movies and that's been great so hell yeah um I haven't been consuming very much. Uh, last night I went to see a terrible film uh, starring Sylvester Stallone called Over the Top. And it was very bad. And it was a lot of fun. Shout out to Sidewalk Cinema. Sidewalk Cinema. Go check it out. That's my only plug. I'm making an album. So I, that's why I haven't been consuming anything. Because like, you've been creating. I've been sitting in my in my house like with my nose in a computer mixing a record. And, um, yeah, I haven't watched anything. I haven't been listening to podcasts. I, I don't do anything. <laughs> so <laughs> you're making art. It's I'm good. making stuff, you know, so, um, that's, that's good in itself. So, mm-hmm. so, have y'all, so I guess y'all have not listened to the Trojan horse affair yet. No, I listened to it. Oh, you did? No, you know that that Portlandia skit where it's like, have you read it? Have you read it? Have you read it? And then they stuff the paper in their mouth as soon as it gets laid on the table. That's me with podcasts. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that like the day it came out. I listened to all of them. I finished it two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I was like, I was like, have y'all listened to it yet? Yeah, hell of a hell of a podcast. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was like serial mixed with Reply All. It was kind of. And Brian Reed, S Town. Yeah, S Town. Uh, yeah. Generally just he sounds back. a little choked up all the time. He sounds a little choked up. He's just and, ready and to cry. He, I love how he spent so much time in Alabama because of Estown that he really can't say Birmingham. He has to say Birmingham. <laughs> he says Birmingham a lot. <laughs> you know, I was it's listening so weird recently. that that man, his two big podcasts are two different Birminghams. I know. <laughs> oh, so um, I was listening to the Smiths recently, and they say Birmingham with a hard ham. What, when they're singing? When they're singing. I don't know. About their home? In... Panic on the streets of Birmingham. Huh. They say that, and I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> Do they all say Birmingham? Are they talking about Is it my different... home? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. that. 
Please delete from the podcast. I'm not proposing anything. I'm just saying words at this point. Yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Wait, are you consuming anything, or is that? Just, well, I'll just. I'm, I don't need a big list. I'll just. I just. Yeah. I. I listened to the Trojan Horse Affair, and do recommend it is. Uh, it is a powerful journalism podcast in which a. And I, I was trying to, you know, I'll, I want to unpack it a little bit with you, Helen. At some point, it's like the extent to which this kind of thing that hap- that unfolds in that story would or would not happen in America and why is, is also it's very interesting yeah so real story and in, in, in basically it's just taking a giant jump on British journalism <laughs> you know yeah it's 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 and then how much they failed with this this, this horrible this mm-hmm. so, uh, powerful stuff um, and pretty interesting yeah all right, so should we play the music? Are yep. we good? It's going, it's going. It's going. Da, 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 da.